You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another bewildered and exasperated episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers get absolutely demolished at home to Michigan in a game they desperately needed. The Hoosiers lose by 23 points on their home court after spotting Michigan a 17-0 lead to begin the game. The loss drops Indiana to 12-8. and The Hoosiers have lost six straight. They are now 3-6 and six in conference play. And you'll have to uh, forgive us. I apologize in advance if there are some speechless moments on this show uh, because it is really hard to explain what we all just watched. You know, this was, we talked for two straight days about the desperation of the situation for Indiana, how much they needed this game, and how that might give them an edge because they would be the more desperate team. You know, and fans across the, the country were, you know, trying to match that desperation, pulling out all the stops, every superstition they had. I'm, I put my candy stripe pants on that I haven't worn all year because we had to do something, my lucky pants. And I was so excited. And now I'm just a sad man in pajamas trying to make sense of what on earth happened in that game. Anyway, I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms. Ryan is off tonight. We're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We're going to start tonight as we start every show. That is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. I can almost guarantee you this is going to be the only positive thing that we say from this game. And really, all I've got is, you know, really everything that happened after it was 17 to nothing doesn't really matter in a sense because the game was over at that point and Indiana was never able to you know to battle back and really get it close so to me you've got to go back there for the banner moment and I thought that there was one guy at that time that really tried to do something and give the team some energy and give the team a lift and that was Al Durham now he didn't do much the rest of the game but at least in that you know at that time when he got in there Romeo was out with foul trouble you know Al had a couple of nice drives got to the free throw line as Seth Tao tweeted out at one point at the under 8 minute timeout as Indiana formed its huddle Al Durham was the one high-fiving his teammates trying to motivate everyone his energy level compared to the rest of the team has been noticeable and that's really where we are after a game like this is that the one guy who showed a pulse at the beginning of the game and was trying to do something, and was trying to communicate with his teammates and show some energy, that guy gets the banner moment because no one else did. And it just defies explanation. I don't understand it. We're going to spend an hour here trying to figure it out and trying to figure it out with you. But anyway, the banner moment goes to Al Durham for kind of being the one guy who seemed like he was ready to play. The irony, of course, is that he didn't start, (laughs) so he had to come off the bench. And really, the game was almost over before he even got in there. So you know, my hat's off to Al for giving it a shot and really trying there early on. Um, but unfortunately, he just didn't have many teammates there with him uh, trying to do it too. 
All right, tonight's Hoosier Proud banner moment brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel available anywhere. At hoosierproud.com, you will find great state of Indiana-themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana like the Hoosier Veterans Assistance Foundation. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Home Field apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. And with Big Ten basketball in full swing, be sure to check out Home Field's IU Basketball Champions t-shirt, featuring IU's five championship seasons, a feat that no other Big Ten school has accomplished. And of course, the tri-blend hoodie with the old IU Bison logo. It's as comfortable as a sweatshirt can be, and as Andy, or maybe it was Ryan that told us this, it's great if you need to cry tears into. It's great if for these losses when you're mad and you're angry and you'll get real sweaty, and maybe you'll lose some weight, too. So all kinds of reasons to get that sweatshirt in addition to the awesome logo and how comfortable it is. Get a brother, get some coupons. Yes, don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code ASSEMBLY at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. That means the ball goes to Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on tonight's IU loss. We just talked for about two minutes before we went on air. Please be careful with your language because we are live. (laughs) Yes, definitely none of what I said before we got on. It would have just been one continuous beep with a with an occasional uh, other word broken in just to break with an occasional up. player name. I think. Yeah, that that seems about right. I don't really know where to start. As you said, the 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 complete lack of urgency that the team started the game with was just dumbfounding to me. Given the circumstances, given the context of this game, given where the game was, what was at stake, what they needed to do. It was just unbelievable to me, the the lack of focus on defense. You know, missing shots is one thing. We've seen this team do that for weeks, it feels like. The complete, you know, lack of intensity defensively is just, I, I can't understand where that comes from. And it was, again, you know, we watched Justin Smith in the media availability yesterday talk about, well, what makes you guys flip the switch? Well, we're afraid we're going to lose the game. Well, it, it it shouldn't at this point take falling behind after having fallen behind so many times to really turn things on. And you look across the way at Michigan and Michigan is everything IU wishes it was right now. It's a team that has strong leadership from guys like Xavier Simpson and Charles Matthews. Who is the leader for IU's team? Who are these guys afraid to disappoint? Because I can tell you that Xavier Simpson looks like he would go up and punch somebody in the face on his team if they continuously didn't do what they were being asked to do. And there's no one afraid to let the other guy next to them down at this point. And you've got Isaiah Livers diving on the floor for balls up, you know, 20 points in the first half. And IU has guys half going after the ball and they might get to the ball first, but Livers is the guy who knocks it out of bounds. You know, there's a play that fits and runs down, but he doesn't even secure the rebound fits or Livers knocks it out of bounds. And sure, IU still gets the ball, but it's a microcosm of the effort that is needed when teams are playing well versus when you see a team like IU right now. And it was just staggering to watch the difference between them. And even when IU made a run to begin the second half, Michigan, again, was what IU wished it could be. They made clutch threes. Brasdakis hit a couple big ones to stem the tide on IU runs. And they made four free throws in a stretch where they hit two free throws, made three, two free throws, made three. Those are things that this team cannot do right now. And even when IU got in the bonus early in the second half, it didn't make anybody feel any better because they shot so poorly from the free throw line in the first half. 
and really throughout the game. And I just do not understand at this point. I, I mean, if it doesn't change coming into this game, when does it change? And I just struggle to believe that at this point, again, I mean, kind of like I said before, this team is at a point where it's easy to say what you're doing wrong and to talk about it, but show people on the court that you are going to make the changes that are necessary. And it didn't happen. And it was, you know, breakdowns by players. I thought some of the coaching decisions were head scratching in terms of, you know, who was getting minutes and, and things like that, which I'm sure that we'll talk about, but it was just a, complete and utter disaster from really beginning to end with only one stretch in the middle that provided any glimmer of hope. And Michigan was, was more than willing to snuff that out immediately. All right. Now we'll go over to Ryan for Ryan's rant. Everybody stinks and the world's awful. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Well said that pretty much sums it up. Actually, we have a text from Ryan. He's not with us tonight. Um, F everything. He spelled it out. But <laughs> that falls, yeah, that falls right into what I said uh, before that ab- the show. So that about sums it up. Um, you know, I said, Andy, when we got on here in the halftime report, I'm really glad I got the chance to do a halftime report tonight because I was able to get out some of my emotion. People who watched the halftime report, that was about, you know, as animated as I'll get in a negative way on the halftime report. I, I feel like that was very cathartic. I, I shudder to think what I would be like right now if it weren't uh, for being able to get that out. But, probably like I am right now, if I had to guess. <laughs> probably. But, you know, what I said on there is, you know, tonight, these last couple of days was really, I mean, you know, we're going to keep watching the games. We're going to stay here. I mean, we're, you know, find ways to try to believe in this team. But this was really the last time that I think I'm going to be able to have faith that they'll come out and respond like we want them to. You know, I really, really thought, and maybe this makes me an idiot. But I really, really thought they would come out and play with their hair on fire to start the game. I really did. You know, and to get down 17-0, to basically have the worst start that you've had all season in the spot, you know, I'm just not going to be able to believe in this team coming out ready to play anymore this season. I hope they do. I'll certainly get excited if they do. But I'm going to believe it when I see it, and I'm probably going to need to see it a lot. Because something on this team is broken. The confidence is broken. The chemistry is broken. You know, you said, who are these guys afraid to disappoint? You know what I thought about earlier tonight? Do you remember back in the offseason, the video of the pool party at Archie's house? And Juwan Morgan was just like kind of taking control of everybody and pushing people around and like, you know, telling people what to do. And we were like, you know, this is one of the reasons this team will be good because they've got a dad. You know, they've got Juwan out there who's going to kind of, you know, keep everybody in line. You know, and Juwan had good numbers tonight. But when the game was won or lost at the beginning, his defense was really poor. And he didn't seem to put up any kind of barrier to stop it from happening. Now, it's not all on him. Archie Miller didn't do it either. Why don't you take a timeout and try and, you know, stop? you see it happening, it's 5 nothing. take a timeout, regroup the guys. Maybe do a full line change and let the guys sit for a minute and be, you know, and chew them out on the sidelines and then get everybody back in. See if, like, no one did anything. And it was so frustrating to watch and you know I don't I don't understand it um and again you know there's a lot that we can talk about but this game was lost within the first five or six minutes by not coming out and then not changing up anything to do anything different I thought Indiana did try to do some different things offensively early but we just we weren't tough enough to even get into it Michigan was just you know knocking us around and not letting us make the cuts not letting us make passes and 
you know, at some point, all the X's and O's, all that stuff, it doesn't make a bit of difference if you're not going to come out and fight for each other and play hard and do the things that you need to do. And right now, this team just isn't doing that, and it's it's exasperating. You know, I keep using that word, but that's just that's how I feel. Yeah, I think you saw at the beginning, Al, to me... I, I keep circling back to that if for no other reason than that felt like the only positive part of the game. Um, it was, but, but he was taking the shots that he wanted to take, not the shots that Michigan wanted him to take. And that sounds kind of dumb, but you, you talk about these guys wanting to really get out in transition and try to get easy baskets and really, you know, play fast and play aggressive. He was the only one that did that the turnovers that were made in the beginning for the first seven possessions, you turn the ball over. You don't even get shots. It, you know, it's one thing to miss shots, but some of the turnovers were just silly and, you know, three possessions in a row at one point, and then it, everything just snowballs and it's, it almost felt like it was over before it started, you know, missed easy shots, continuing to shoot poorly from three point range. Somebody, you know, tweeted out the numbers, you know, the last four games, it's just staggering how, how poor it is. But how many guys actually felt like that's the shot that they wanted to take? You know, Finnessy is one of the only guys who made any, and he's the, maybe the only one who didn't hesitate to shoot. Shot off the catch on the one inbounds play. I think there was another play that he shot right off the catch in the second half, and it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, it was off a pass from Romeo. It, it, you know, it looked fluid as if that was what they wanted to get. Versus everybody else just seemed to, you know, force shots that that weren't there, force dribbles that weren't there. Uh, and and it felt like any semblance of flow that they had by switching things up and doing a few different things offensively in the second half of the Northwestern game was out the window so quickly. But but at the same time, even when you're not scoring, you know, even when they you've got to stop the other team. Michigan in stretches during the game when they didn't score, IU completely failed to capitalize because they couldn't score themselves. So even the you know the defense to offense argument that has been made didn't surface in, in this game whatsoever. And I agree with you about Juwan. If you want to, you know, take up for him, it's that he's playing the entire game. He looked like he was about ready to die at the end of the first half because Romeo with Romeo in foul trouble for reasons, you know, that are understandable. Archie didn't want to take him off the floor, but he wasn't helping anybody at a certain point when he was completely gassed. And the same thing really held true at points in the second half. And it seems strange to me what IU was trying to do on ball screens because I, strange, I guess, because I couldn't figure it out. There were times they were switching. There were times only the big guys were switching. There were times that everybody was, you know, switching. There was times that they tried to play their normal, you know, coverage and, and, uh, and, and hedge. Yeah. Um, but it, there was never consistent. So I don't know if that was just breakdowns or if they were telling them to try different things or to do different things. Yeah, it's hard to know without knowing what the game plan was. We just know but it wasn't there was good. No, it didn't work. Yeah, there was no consistency, and none of it really worked all that well. But it was, it was strange to to see the variation in that because IU's been a team that's been pretty consistent in how they've defended those situations, and it seemed like maybe it was a just let's try anything because nothing can be worse than how it's going right now. It, it's tough to say. I don't know. All right, let's let's go to the next segment. Let's regroup. Let's go to the next segment here. Coming up, as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 23-point loss to Michigan, we'll talk about tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us.
You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms. Ryan Phillips is off tonight. Lucky him. Uh, we are breaking down Indiana's 23-point loss to Michigan as the Hoosiers drop their sixth straight game. It's time now for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. Um, you know, Andy, you kind of alluded to to one that I really wanted to talk about, which is, and it's kind of a simple thing, but when I saw it, I was like, that's what that looks like. And it was in, I think, I believe it was in the first half. Maybe the first half, or maybe it was, I don't know, in the second half, early in the second half. But an IU player was shooting a free throw, and you could see Xavier Simpson behind the player, and he's like barking out instructions and talking to guys and, you know, kind of telling them what they're going to do, making sure that everybody's organized. And I thought to myself, I was like, whoa. It's like, I feel like we haven't seen that all season. Just someone kind of taking charge, telling guys what needs to happen, getting everybody organized and on the same page. And you, know, you want to know why a team is rudderless and why a team, you know, at times seems like they can't stop a run or seems like they don't really know what's going on. You know, you can't, no matter how good a coach is, and I don't mean that in a way to say that Archie coached a good game because we're going to get to that. I don't think he did. But no matter how good your coaching is, you're not going to have the on-court chemistry you need without internal leadership. Michigan has it. This Indiana team absolutely does not have it. And that just stood out so starkly to me because we haven't seen it. You know, it made me jealous that Michigan has a guy like that. I think the last time we had that was Yogi as a senior. And look, Yogi wasn't that guy at first. You know, so I think you know, there's hope for guys like Rob Finnessy and Al Durham, who I think can grow into that, perhaps. I don't know them personally, if they have that kind of personality. But to see that, that's what you need. And Indiana just doesn't have that right now. You know, Juwan Morgan will lead with his play and his production, but at some of those key times when you've got to have someone step up, especially over this losing streak, he hasn't been able to do it. And he's really the guy that you look to for that, and it, it, it hasn't happened. So anyway, that just, that just really stuck out because it, it just seems so different from what we've had this year. Yeah, a couple other moments that stood out to me. I mean, every moment almost from the start was terrible, but t- there were a couple that stood out to me that just showed a lack of attention to detail or general awareness one of them is Justin Smith loses his shoe under the basket, but Michigan has the ball. I think someone had just missed a shot. I don't recall exactly what had happened, but he was responsible for the guy who was right underneath the basket. And he picks up his shoe and starts trying to put it on during the play. In the meantime, his guy gets the ball. He recovers in time to make him miss, but eventually fouls and what was maybe not a great foul call. But who gives a crap about your shoe at that point? Play defense. You have a guy. That was really close to swearing. I just want you to know that I showed great restraint. In, in not doing that. And I'm also marking that, and that will come back to haunt you later. <laughs> of course it will, as, as you should. we got to get something uh, out of this postgame show. As you should. Then, uh, it, it, you know, he makes a foul on a Juwan Morgan missed free throw on a rebound that he had no chance of getting. You just pick up a ridiculous foul. And in a game when Archie seemed hell-bent on playing only six guys for the majority of the game, you can't pick up silly fouls like that. And then the other was the IU shooting or Michigan is shooting a one and one livers misses it almost grabs his own rebound off the one and one because most of the guys on the floor have no idea that it's a one and one and no one really reacts to him missing the shot that those things there are again, as you said, there are coaching things that we can discuss for sure about this game. Those are not coaching. That is a complete lack of attention to detail and a complete lack of focus on what is actually going on around you. You know, I, I also thought, 
Look, you know, this is kind of an Indiana team. They're they're a bit of a front running team in some senses. That like when things are going good, you know, they're they're okay. But as soon as you know, they'll get going on a little run, and another team will put up some resistance. You know, especially over these last you know six games, and Indiana kind of wilts in the face of it. And I thought really. You know, the other stretch of good play for Indiana was the start of the second half. They came out, I think they scored on the first four possessions. They looked really aggressive offensively. You know, Romeo scored, Justin Smith scored, Juwan got a couple of buckets down low. And they started to cut into the lead. I think they got it down to 11 at one point. They might have gotten it down to nine. But what happened every time? Brzezdekis hit a three. Brzezdekis hit another three. Charles Matthews went on a seven-point run. And really, the first half could have been a lot worse if Michigan was making some open shots that they had. But they shot poorly from three-point range. I think they were three of 12 or something like that in the first half. It could have been worse. Those three-pointers started going down in the second half. And, you know, I, I, I thought there was a chance for like six seconds. I thought there was a chance. The crowd's getting into it. You know, I think Finnessy made a three to cut it to nine. And it's like, holy crap, we might actually come back and make this a game. And then, boom, door closed, and we never threatened again. And that was a sign of the maturity that Michigan has and a sign of just how balanced they are offensively, you know, that they've just they just got guys who can, you know, Brzezdekis can, you know, he was terrific tonight. Charles Matthews had that great stretch. And that, you know, I don't, Indiana had never gotten close enough to really make it a game again, but that stretch by Michigan ended any hopes Indiana had of coming back and even making it competitive at all. And then from there, Indiana just wilted and just absolutely, you know, I mean, I don't want to say they stopped playing because they were still out there running up and down the court, but they certainly stopped executing. They stopped playing with the purpose that they had at the start of that second half. And, you know, I tell you what really got to me, Andy, was at the end of the game, I think there was like maybe two and a half minutes left. It was 62-44, I think, and Michigan scores four straight points. And we're just kind of going through the motions. I mean, the game's over at that point, but we're just kind of jacking up shots, not really getting back on defense. You know, I would have loved to see, like, right at that moment, let's just put all the bench guys in. Like, don't don't allow the bad habit of going through the motions to even be allowed to take hold for that minute. You know, put Clifton in. Put the other guys in and give them a chance to at least run hard up and down the court. I think Archie did it, you know, the final minute of the game. But, you know, it just... It was, yeah, those, it was, it was very two- frustrating to watch. Those two possessions, Xavier Simpson basically dribbled the ball for 25 seconds and then made a straight line drive from half court all the way to the basket for a layup twice in a row. One one of which there's already a clip circulating of Romeo. I have no idea what exactly was he was doing on defense. I think he thought a screen was coming, and but it was not 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 great. And certainly it wasn't uh, a great defensive performance by a number of players. But yeah, to just sit be out there and watch a guy dribble the ball for 25 seconds, know that all he's going to do is go to the basket and fling it up, and you still are, you know, unable to. Uh, unable to stop it. It was, it was rough. That stretch you talked about though, was, was a really big one. That was one I had circled as well. You know, Rob makes that three. My daughter calls to my wife, they've got it to nine. And basically the words were barely out of her mouth before Brad has hit the three and Michigan scores 10 points over the next four possessions. And it's ball game at that point. Oh, the childlike belief, the innocence, the name that moment. Cause <laughs> when you said six seconds, that was about, it was about that was about was. right. <laughs> Oh, oh, that poor girl. I hope you. I hope you gave her a big hug after having to watch this. Actually, I hope she gave you a big hug. I you sent her to a different room to watch something else. I think it was yeah. <laughs> unnecessary. No, she she's toughed it out and watched the rest the rest of it. Although I think they were starting to do something else by the end of the game, and I certainly wish that I was doing something else by the end of the game. Um, 
All right, let, what numbers matter? I don't want to belabor this, but if there are, you know, like obviously Indiana going three of 20 from downtown, you know, doesn't really change. But, you know, for a team that does seem to take its energy and enthusiasm from good things happening offensively, if they could have knocked down some of those, Fitzner had a couple looks at it. You know, Finnessy took six of them. Romeo couldn't make any of his. If maybe some more of those go down, you get some more energy. You know, that obviously would have been helpful. Indiana did get 11 offensive rebounds, but the Hoosiers, 27.6% from the field tonight, 55% from the free throw line, four assists on 16 made baskets. 0.73 points per possession. I mean, the offensive numbers tonight are there's atrocious, and then there's like ten piles of nothing, and then there's what our offensive stats were. You know, Michigan they scored 1.03 points per possession, and as inconsistent and lackluster at times as the defense was, you'll take that. You know, if you're going to hold them to 1.03 points per possession, that's a winning defensive effort if you can get something going offensively. You know, Indiana just couldn't at all. Yeah, guys outside of Juwan were 10 of 46 from the floor, if I'm doing the quick math correctly. The three-point shooting was poor. The free-throw shooting was poor, 11 of 20 over the course of the game. that That's not the difference in a 23-point loss, but certainly a, another area where IU you know, wants to be aggressive, wants to get to the line, and then you get there and you can't make shots. Four assists over the course of the game is not good. Admittedly, part of that is you didn't make shots, so you have to have made shots to get an assist. But one in the first half, uh, you know, nine turnovers is not not terrible, but some of the shots were the equivalent of turnovers. And it points in the paint. I think IU rebounded in that area a little bit in the second half because that ended up tied at 24. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was lopsided in Michigan's favor in the first half. Uh, but, it, you know, continues to be making shots. The, the defense was terrible in in a couple key stretches, the beginning of the game was one that stretch we just talked about in the second half when IU started to make a run that they gave up 13 points, I think 13 points over the course of six possessions in that that stretch where you're trying to get your way back into the game. IU opened and scored on the first five possessions, but you're not making up ground because you're not able to string together enough stops. And really from there, Michigan rarely scored on consecutive possessions. They just scored on consecutive possessions one other time over the rest of the game but the offense was just so bad. And and to your point, some of the defense gets, you get credit a little bit defensively for teams just missing open shots. And I saw the same thing that you did in the first half, but you know, the offense continues to be really stagnant. And there are times when guys are just forcing shots. There are times when not really shooting shots within rhythm. It was just a, that, that side of the ball or that side of the floor is just a, a complete, disaster uh, at this point and again you had five guys who scored all but two of your points which is pretty much the same as it was against Northwestern it was just those five guys scored more points than they did tonight uh, but other than you know one bucket from Fitzner you know Al's points did come off the bench so he had eight bench points but it, you know he played six guys the majority of the game five of those did the majority of your scoring which is not saying a great deal and and that's what you end up with it was just a really really poor offensive performance to say the least John wants to know where your Christmas vacation quote is. You've you've set a you've set a standard. So uh, think about I'll have that. To, I'll work on that over the rest. That'll give me something positive to think about. Maybe I'm I'm just gonna step aside for a little bit, Jared. Watch a little bit of the movie, and you can continue on from here. Take it, take it myself. We'll, uh, I'll I'll circle back up with you when I found something good, and we'll go from there. You know what? It is. A, I'm glad you said that 
Because the point that I wanted to make next is I thought in the second half, as soon as things kind of started to go bad after, you know, Indiana kind of had a nice start offensively, I thought Romeo and Jawan started playing kind of doing too much one-on-one stuff. And look, it is a fine line because, you know, Ryan's been on here and, and criticized them for when things are down, they're not asserting themselves enough and they're not doing enough. So it's like, okay, so what is Romeo supposed to do? Just go get the ball and drive every single time? Well, yes, but no, you still want to get it through the offense and, and you know, you want to try and set up your teammates. And in fact, he did do that once. He got, you know, Rob Finnessy a three-pointer, which was nice. But it's almost like, you know, they made all those threes. They pushed it back out to 15-16 and we panicked. You know, and when that happens, you know, Al doesn't really get involved in the offense. Justin did a little bit. He had that stretch where he hit a three and then he drove to the basket, you know, a quick little five-point stretch. But, you know, Al, I, I just, I thought Romeo and Juwan pressed a little bit and tried to do too much on their own. Like I said, I, I understand it's a fine line because they need to assert themselves. And that is probably more a function of just the complete lack of cohesion and confidence and trust in the offense where you're just like, screw it. I got to go find a way to get a bucket. And in a certain respect, that's admirable. In another respect, it's not. And to me, that goes probably, it's on them some, but I think it also goes higher than them, you know, to, you know, to Archie and trying to figure something out. And I'm not saying that there are any magical elixirs offensively when you're three of 20 from downtown, you know, you can't shoot. And you're just you're you're so limited with what you can do offensively. I'm not saying that there are any easy answers, but I did think that when it devolved into that, Indiana just had absolutely no chance offensively. Um, it, you know, it's 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 not pretty to watch. It doesn't produce results. Um, you know, and you look at Juwan's line: sixteen points, twelve rebounds, four blocks, two steals. I mean, from a statistical perspective, it's going to look okay. But as we said, you know, the the defense and the timeliness of his production just wasn't really where it needed to be. So any other numbers that uh, you want to get into? No, to, certainly not. Uh, to piggyback on piggyback on what you said, though, I, I felt the same thing watching the game when you saw and I've been trying to do this these last few games and track at least how possessions end. It, it definitely felt like for a while that. Romeo was trying to make up for all the time that he missed in the first half by really forcing some step backs and shots that just are not not ones that needed to be taken at the moments that they were that they were taken and I to your point yes that's kind of admirable I guess but when other guys are at least frequently involved in the possessions and what's going on it feels like what little flow this team can get into offensively it's better at those points because otherwise it just turns into, we've talked about this before when, you know, it can't devolve into three guys standing around and really trying to watch them do some things. And I think you started to see that a little bit in key stretches. I'm not, not saying that's a difference in the game. The game was lost by the way this team came out early, but it does make a difference when, and it's a difficult balance to strike when two guys are responsible for so much of the production where how do you, skew it enough to give those guys the shots, but keep other guys engaged in the game, essentially. And I, I thought that was a struggle in the second half. You know, even at the beginning of the first half, when when the offense was playing well, it was a little bit of balance. Romeo scored inside, Juwan scored, Justin had that layup, Juwan scored, Rob hit a three. And that's four of the five guys in the first five possessions have scored. And then there's a lot of, you know, Juwan and Romeo finishing possessions from there on out. And, and I think it gets other guys 
even in the first half when you know I was saying you know get, get Al some touches, which seems like a really if anybody thought we'd get to that point in the season, you know that would have been surprising, but it seemed like he needed the ball more because he was the guy that was being aggressive and really trying to get the ball to the basket. And, I and that was even, with Romeo. And that was when that was one of the only things that was working. They even got away from that. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, there's, there's no other numbers that need really need to be hit. At least that I looked at, but no. And, and, and Al has done better when uh, I, don't, I don't know if the Northwestern game, if it was in Romeo out, but when either Romeo or Juwan is out, he gets lost a lot when both of them are in there. And kind of struggles to get involved, but you see when those guys are out, he gets a little bit more aggressive. So does Rob Finnessy. Um, you know, and so look, I I I like both of those guys. I think those guys are gonna win a lot of games in the Big Ten. And I think, you know, they may need to take a little bit more control and be more assertive themselves. You know, and, and getting back to the Romeo point, the last thing I want to say on that is it's like anything. Everybody shares in the responsibility. But I have a hard time pinning a lot of that responsibility on Romeo for this reason. He's a freshman. And he just spent four years in high school being the guy that when you needed a bucket would go get it and could probably go get it most of the times as his high school resume showed. So when he starts getting like that and you know, when times get tough, we all fall back on our instincts. That's what we do. So what he needs is a team leader or a coach to kind of reel him back in and either relax him or discipline him, not discipline him, but you know, kind of show him a better way than that. You know, this probably worked in high school, but we've got to do it this way. And it doesn't feel like he's really getting that. It doesn't feel like there's, you know, someone on the team necessarily that he respects in those situations. And it doesn't, at least from what, you know, we don't know what's said in, in film sessions. We don't know what's said in, you know, in, in the huddles, any of those things. But it feels like something where, you know, he's got to be shown a different way or forced into doing it a different way when he gets like that because he's just reverting back to what he's used to. And eventually he'll learn, but he's still a freshman in the middle of his first season. So I have a hard time getting too upset with him for doing what has always worked for him on the basketball court. It's funny just to circle back to uh, Rob and Al getting more shots. We're talking about these guys like they had great games. They were combined three of 19 from the floor. Yeah. So. Uh, I know. I don't know what that says. Nobody. I mean, you can't point to anybody who who shot the ball well, so I can't really give us too hard of a time about that. But I did think that Al really showed just some some toughness in the in the first part. But it's hard to uh, again. I mean, the game was over when it was seventeen. Yeah. Out, yeah, the game was and over. By out, that oh, point. we should have done something different here. But yeah, it's it's funny that we talked about those guys need to get more shots. I mean, nineteen shots between the two of those guys is quite a quite a bit. But yeah. who knows. All right, let's move on to something else. Let's move on. <laughs> Coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 69 to 46 loss to Michigan tonight at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. We'll talk about the rest of the storylines next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU Hoops fans are subscribed. You'll get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundup, as well as our postgame analysis emails. It'll make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. I'm Jared Morris. 
I'm here with Andy Bottoms. We're breaking down Indiana's uh, gigantic, devastating loss to Michigan. So, <clears throat> Andy, I want to point out one coaching move that was interesting and to a certain extent I liked and one that I'm totally exasperated by. In the first half, there was a stretch. Romeo this would be was... fun if I could guess what they were, but I'm going to let you go ahead. And... <laughs> well, well, I don't even know if this was a good move, but it at least showed Archie kind of trying something else, and he was somewhat forced into it simply because, you know, because Romeo was out. But we played a stretch out there. Let me get the exact lineup. It was okay. Like well, I can remember it off the top. Oh yeah, it was Demizi, uh, Evan Fitzner, Al Durham. Rob Finnessy and Jawan Morgan. I believe I believe that was the five that was out there. Which essentially, you know, what Archie was doing was he was sacrificing defense because Michigan kept putting, you know, Evan Fitzner into ball screens and getting switches and they would just drive him to the basket. But Archie was basically saying, hey, let's give offensive spacing a try. Let's put some three-point shooters out there and see what happens. Now, you know, Demizi didn't make any threes. Evan didn't make any threes. It didn't work. I at least appreciated the fact that we kind of tried something different and tried to see what we could do with a little more spacing. Unfortunately, again, the guys just weren't really able to take advantage of it too much, and it kind of shows some of the limitations that Archie has when he goes to the bench. The other one that I didn't understand at all, I have to think, I have to think that there is some sort of reasonable explanation for it. I don't understand why Clifton Moore didn't play tonight. I've... Like two minutes into the game, I was thinking, you know, put Clifton in there. At least he'll go run around and hustle. You know, he'll go sprint his way into an offensive rebound or something, even though he'll probably give up something in a ball screen action. But for him to not play at all, I mean, I've got to think that he had a bad week of practice or something because he's been a little bit better the last few times he's been out there. And this seemed like a game that screamed for him to play with all the minutes Juwan had to play. The lackluster effort. I mean, if you're searching for answers on the bench, he's been one of the few guys that has given you some positive answers the last few games. So, you know, I would love to ask Archie that. I don't want to say that I know why it didn't happen. I just know from the information that I have, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. I would have been one for two guessing what you you would have went for. I thought you were going to say about bringing Romeo back in with two fouls in the first half was because I know you've talked about that before. Yeah, I like that. Not, not being fine. afraid to do that. And Michigan, to their credit, immediately you get for it sometimes. went right after him and put him in a position to get called for a foul. So uh, good on them. I, I didn't remember that line. I, I did. I, th- I do feel like I remembered remarking out loud about that lineup. I'm like, this is a weird, this is a weird group. But you kind of see it from that standpoint. And Demizi took a couple threes, one of which was, I, I don't really understand what the rationale was behind it. And Fitzner keeps taking shots and, they need to. I mean, they, they just, all they just those shots were defensible. We just didn't he's make gonna any give, of them. Yeah, he's going to give him, them those shots. Yeah, the move that he made that was that was rough was the one where Juwan ends up getting called for the offensive foul because Fitzner's trying to drive somebody from the top of the key. That's just not what probably he needs to be doing uh, at that point. But at some point offensively, when nothing is working, you have to try something different. So like you, I suppose I can appreciate a little bit of that. And you didn't have the guys that teams have really made a point to leave open out there in in Justin and Zach from the perimeter. So now flipping to the Clifton Moore thing, I I truly don't understand. I mean, how bad could his last I mean, there's only been two days of two days of practice since the last game. How bad could Wednesday and Thursday have been for him to to do that? And I thought he even in the Northwestern game gave some good minutes. And the funny thing is I, I referenced that Jordan Sperber video before 
he actually showed some plays where Clifton Moore was doing exactly what they wanted to do against ball screens defensively and was really sticking to the, you know, the guy setting the pick and did a really good job of that for all the things that he's gotten burned by defensively. This is not a commentary that is to suggest that he is a terrific defender, but you did see in those clips that he was doing what they wanted to do. And in a game when Juwan looked like at times he was having to carry a piano on his back up and down the floor. How can you not try to steal two minutes at a time? It's not a, a thing that Clifton has to go and play six or eight minutes in a row in order to, to kind of meet what we're even suggesting here. Give Juwan a break. Let Clifton get experience. And if he gets burned, is he really any worse than any what anybody else is doing at that Not point? tonight? <laughs> that was really what I eventually got to. It it felt impossible that any option on the bench could have been worse than what was happening defensively over the first five minutes of the game. Yeah, and like I, like I get, you know, Coach is saying in the chat, you know, Michigan plays pip, pick and pop centers. Moore has difficulty defending the pick and pop. Yes, I understand that. But Jawan struggled in ball screens all night. Evan Fitzner got taken to the hole all night, you know. And Fitzner's not making a shot. So, you know, all we're saying is, you know, and I, it's crazy, you know, that that we're you know sitting here spending an entire segment arguing for him to get in. It wouldn't have changed the game, but it does show that he has improved and has kind of shown us something the last few times he's played. And and again. It, Above all that other stuff, above all the, like, he struggles in the pick and rolls and all that stuff, the one thing Clifton does when he gets out there 95% of the time is he busts his butt. Like, he's going to make mistakes, but he's going to hustle doing them. You know, it's usually a mistake of awareness, not a, not a mistake of he's just kind of being lackadaisical. And we're seeing too many of those kinds of mistakes. So, I, you know, there would have to be a really good explanation for that to make sense to me. I just, I didn't get it. I, I, you know, I'm... The caveats we always have to say, we're not in the locker room, we don't know the players, all of those things. And so I'm always loath to say like, well, a coach should have benched everybody. He should have done this, that, or the other. You know, the coach is out there trying to win games as much as possible. And Archie has a lot of experience doing this. He knows, you know, what's going to be able to reach these players theoretically. But, you know, at some point, I'm starting to come around on the ideas that people are talking about, where maybe you've got to hold these guys more accountable, even if the guys that you're bringing in off the bench aren't... You know, if it's even if it is a huge drop off, maybe at some point you've got to sacrifice a half or you've got to sacrifice something to send a message. Now, maybe he just doesn't believe in that. Maybe he doesn't think that that would work. Maybe there's other things going on. I don't know. But man, it was to me, I found myself wanting that tonight, watching the game, just because for whatever reason, there was such a malaise. And it, it felt like if we could do something to bust out of that malaise, maybe we could get going. And we didn't. And it just, you know, before we knew it, we'd been steamrolled. I I would agree with you. I think, again, we go back to Al. We, we're speaking glowingly about a guy who went one for seven from the floor because his aggressiveness stood out because everybody else was so passive. And he was talking. That's, that's <laughs> <He> was... <laughs> where, that's, what, that's what's bad. It doesn't mean that you have to play well necessarily or, you know, score a bunch of points. I mean, he stood out because he was playing aggressively far more so than anybody else on the floor. And what was lacking at the beginning of the game seemed to be intensity, effort, all of those kinds of things that even if in a, a short spurt of time you could get from Clifton Moore with good, I, I just don't, 
it just the things that were lacking to begin the game are to me things that he could have brought to the table albeit over a short stretch and Michigan did a fantastic job of identifying mismatches and going after them as you said when Fitzner was in the game they put him in pick and roll situations and forced him to defend guys and try to stop stop drives to the basket when Romeo came back in with three fouls or with two fouls they went right after him so to their credit if there was blood in the water, they were going to figure it out. But I, I struggle to think that with the, with the, what seemed to be a complete lack of energy, a guy who, if nothing else, when he's been on the floor in short spurts has brought energy. It, again, I go back to, it couldn't be worse than what was happening at the time on the floor. Apologies to the, uh, to the Jake Forrester fan club. We don't mean to leave Jake out. You know, Coach said in the chat, I would play Jake over Clifton any day. That's fine. I would put them both in, you know? And, and again, you're going to deal with mistakes. And those guys are not immune from bad possessions. <laughs> you know, they're not like the pinnacles of effort and toughness, but they're different and they've at least shown some fight when they've gotten in for their minutes. So that's, you know, it, it would not have changed the game. It wouldn't have changed anything. Do you send a message that maybe helps for the future? I don't have any clue. We are grasping for straws, absolutely, at this point. But, man, it just seemed like, if not now, when? You know, and, and I mean, Archie had some fire. He was certainly getting upset at the officials, and you could just see the frustration was oozing off of his face. And I, you know, I think he's in a really difficult spot, you know, with all the things that, you talk, that we've talked about all year, with the injuries and with, you know, everything that has happened and with not having his players and with not having guys who can shoot and all of these things. That's all baked into it. But I still think there's, you know, maybe there are some other buttons, some other things that could be pushed to try and, and get this team to just the baseline level of like, we're going to go out there and fight. And maybe there isn't, may, you know, because at some point that, all, that goes back to the players. You know, I, I wonder if there aren't some things that maybe he could do, but it probably would just be a short-term bump if the players deep down inside individually and together can't rally themselves together and be like, we're better than this. We've got to have more pride than this. We can't go out like this. This is embarrassing. And I think I think the reason why IU fans are so frustrated, we'd all be frustrated with, you know, offensive struggles and bad shooting, and that's going to frustrate us. But the disappointment is from the lack of fight. You know, I, I know someone, uh, I think it was Josh Skillman, you know, who mentioned the, you know, the one of those early cream teams that was terrible, but at least you kind of felt like they were fighting. You know, the... The 2009 team that they played, you know, it was much different Michigan team. That Michigan team was, you know, mid 40s in Ken Palm. But when they played them at home, you know, they lost in overtime, you know, and obviously this is an elite Michigan team and they buried us. But, and this was, a, a, I mean, the talent level difference is night and day. But this team just doesn't have the togetherness right now in the fight. And I've probably said that six times. And so it's time for us to move on to something else. Um, how much more time do we have in this segment? All right, so let's pick up. <laughs> Counting down the seconds. Now you're just now you're just playing out the string. This is this is sad. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not. I'm, no, I'm. I want to stay aware because uh, you know I want to make sure that we we stay on the right time. We are going to fight to the end in the show. So I got not you. I got quit. you. I got you. <laughs> uh, it, who it, do you want to talk about? Well, so just to give a couple press conference quotes, I'm just kind of looking through the, the feed here. Juwan mentioned some of what you said. I would say it's embarrassing in my mind. I don't think any team is 23 points better than us. I think we have more fight in us than that. I'm angry about it. I know every guy in the room is. I saw the looks on their faces. 
you know, we have each other's backs. We need to show that. I mean, it sounds like the kind of stuff we heard in 2017, honestly. Yeah. You know, and, and some of Archie's comments said, you know, really guys lacking confidence right now, an entire group that doesn't have confidence, not one guy, it's the entire team. Um, asked if toughness comes from players or him, probably both. Um, you know, didn't seem dissatisfied. It's good that our team is still engaged practice-wise, but the game disappointment is a product of our toughness level. We're feeling sorry for ourselves a bit. I mean, all checks um, out, but it's kind of, it, it gets back to, it's the same stuff that's been said after so many of these games. I, I don't know what, what about this changes it? What about this is that much more embarrassing than losing by 15 at home to Nebraska? What about this is more embarrassing than losing on the road against Northwestern. What about this is more embarrassing than the other things that have happened? I, I just struggle to believe that somehow this is the the breaking point. If you haven't reached the breaking point already, and you know, I, that that part I struggle with. I, otherwise, what we need to talk about, I don't know if there was other player stuff that's that's really worth hitting. Exactly. I've, well, I've got I've got one other got, I, I've got one other quote from okay. uh, from at IUBB guy it says Archie just left the podium. Said his team is soft. Pointed out they lack confidence, need to put in more work. Watching that left me no doubt this is the man I want running the program. Guys just need to respond. And you know, look, like we have like pinballed blame everywhere because tonight was a total system failure. So everybody's responsible. But, you know, fund- and, and, and we've, you know, again, tried to like pick out these moments. Archie could have done this. Archie could have done that. Bench them, take them out, do all these things. And I think that's all valid. But as I said, at the end of the day, they're probably short-term fixes if there isn't a level of internal leadership, intestinal fortitude, something deep inside that says, to hell with this, I'm not going out like this. And that's what we don't see. So all the talk is awesome. Like Those are the right words to say after a loss like this. But when you see it over and over again, it just becomes cheap talk. And I can tell why Archie is, you know, Archie is not, he's certainly not coaching this. We know that. You can argue if he's doing enough to stop it. But at the end of the day, I, the majority of the blame for that has to go to the guys wearing the jerseys to step up and take more pride in what they're doing. I, I believe that. You might disagree, but that's, that's what I believe on that. And it, it's the coach's job to put in a system that they believe in, that gives them confidence, that they trust, and to put guys in the right position. Those things aren't happening either. But when it comes to that fight and the grit and the toughness and all of that stuff, at some point, that's got to come down to you as an individual, you as a person. Yeah, I I would agree. I, it, it's on him to make adjustments to try to figure out how to get the confidence back. You mentioned, you know, they're a shell of what they were before, and that's certainly true if you watch them. How do you get them back? How do you get that confidence and find a way to get them to a win and maybe things start to snowball the other way? It, it, it It's hard to figure out because everything was so poor to really say it's it's this or it's that. Uh, I, I do struggle with not trying to do something different from a rotation standpoint to to really play those six guys for so long. I don't think anybody subbed in for the first... Yeah, I think it was those guys really threw, the, I want to say the under eight timeout in the second half. I, I tweeted out, I have to go back and look. But I mean, that's a long time to play with six guys in a game when those six guys aren't really playing that well. And... Mm-hmm. And and to not try something else and like Roberts had another game he didn't he didn't take a shot just to play twenty three minutes and not take a shot he he has to be looking for that in a game when guys are really not looking to guard him uh, and do that but again you go back to 
you want to have a quick trigger and take guys out and send a message. And then you look down the bench and that's who you're going to put in. But it feels like you got to try something. I, I think it's, while it's fair to say a, a lot of the things that you said, I do think there's a little bit of what buttons can be pushed that haven't been pushed already by him and, and how Agreed. do you figure some some other way to do it. Uh, Call a timeout you, when you your team gets down 7 nothing two minutes into a game. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it was that that, that was what I thought. Jesus. It was for, for a team that has made a habit of that. It's almost at five. Nothing. You call it then certainly when it got to eight. That felt like, yeah, that felt like the time to like light maybe, somebody up at that point and yeah, stare at them all as they walk off. Like, really, really? We're going to do this again. No, the hell yeah. we are, you know? Yeah. Well, <sighs> it, it goes back to again. I you look at some of these guys getting to wake up like where's the where's the leadership on the court there was another clip that went around i think it was i i want to say it was last weekend doesn't matter it was it was a kentucky it was kentucky freshman point guard goes up to one of the other guys in the first minute of the game and basically says wake the f up like where is the person who is not going to allow another slow start this has been almost every game and and again, it just goes back to somebody saying, hey, I'm not going to actually showing I'm not going to they're saying I'm not going to do this and we're not going to take this. And again, not to go back to Al again, that's why it stood out. He seemed to be the only guy who was like, I'm not going to I'm not just going to sit idly by while we get smacked in the face on our home court again. I'm going to at least be aggressive and go down swinging. And the timing worked because he was on the court without Romeo, too, which is when he seems to be a little bit more aggressive. So, mm -hmm. OK. All right, well, coming up here in our final segment, we're going to hand out a game ball. You can guess who's going to get that. We'll hit any other storylines that we haven't hit yet. Try to look at the big picture, too, and then we'll do last call, deliver our final thoughts on another Indiana loss. That's next. Stick with us here on this and we'll You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms as we are going through a, a cathartic episode of the Assembly Call. I think, like Andy, I feel like at the end of this, we'll 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 feel better for having gone through this experience, release some tension, release some frustration. I, I mean, we'll be done talking about it, so that seems good. Yeah, be able to move on again. It's the greatest. It's the greatest benefit that we get out of doing the show is when there's great wins, we get to extend the joy and, and enjoy it together. When there's bad losses, we can come on here, get it all out, and then, you know, go on and drink the whole weekend is ahead of us. Yeah, the whole weekend is ahead of us at this point. Yeah. Um, all right, Andy. You know, some people have asked, on really bad performances, why do you guys hand out a game ball? I'm not sure I have a great response for that. Um, you know, we do in our community, which you can check out assemblycall.com slash community, we do have a season-long game ball picking contest. And the game ball that we award here is the official one that goes for that contest. So that's why we force ourselves to do it um, on games like tonight, even though, you know, the shot clock operator maybe deserves the game ball. That's kind of how bad Def the performance on the court was. I mean, definitely not. I don't because, think. And here, here's why I say that to that person. At least... You know, like if we were going to get down 17 to nothing, let's at least delay that as long as possible. So props for that. And my wife got home late, so I needed like a five or six minute delay to be able to watch all the game. And that happened. So I want to give the shot clock, the broken shot clock, my game ball. 
I mean, if you missed the first five minutes of the game, you really wouldn't have missed anything. I know, but I have to come on so, here and talk about it. I would have missed. Actually, I would have missed the entire game because that's where the game was lost. So perhaps one could also argue maybe the shot clock operator could have just shut it down entirely and postponed the game until another day. entirely. <laughs> maybe when he saw the team kind of come out and just kind of go through the motions for the first seven seconds. Nope. Oh, we've seen this before. Is there turn, something turn where you can just make flames shoot out of the shot clock and force an evacuation scenario? <laughs> Uh, um, okay, yeah. so Al Durham so, gets the game. So we really have to, yeah. I, and it's funny, we haven't really talked a lot about Juwan. So I'm not giving him the game ball, but Ryan, I see Ryan is uh, fighting the good fight on Twitter to try to uh, defend himself about <laughs> some some negative comments that he made about Juwan's defense that has forced him to be attacked by a number of people on Twitter. Uh, Juwan, if there were two guys who showed the fight, you know, one of them was. One of them was Juwan. Yes. I thought he was victimized by the amount of minutes that he had to play in a tough scenario. And and the one thing that you really see, this was pretty evident again in some of those clips of, of that Jordan Sperber video, is just how much ground he's that big guys playing against Michigan really have to cover to both come up, defend ball screens, recover, do all the things that you have to do. It really takes a toll on anyone playing uh, a good chunk of the game, let alone somebody who's asked his shoulders such a load offensively as he did. So not giving him a pass. There were a number of breakdowns defensively in the way that the coverages were handled, at least based on my interpretation of what was supposed to happen. Uh, so I don't think he gets a pass from that, but I also don't want to portray it as if he didn't have a reasonably good game because the stats that you talked about earlier yeah. are impressive. And he was the only guy in double figures only guy scoring, only guy in double figures rebounding, the only guy on the team that blocked the shot. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And no, he did. And, I mean, he did a lot of and stuff, in a, and actually led the team in assists because they only had four, and he had two of them. So, did he have uh, two of them? I thought he had no assists. Oh no, he had no assists. I'm sorry, I was looking at fantasy on the oh. lineup of him. Um, so, all right, well, whatever, close enough. Um, so, I, I don't want his performance to to go as if it was not appreciated at all because this would have been worse certainly if he did it, but. Yes, I just thought Al felt like for that stretch when the game got away from IU, the only guy who really seemed to step forward and try to fight back. And yeah. so here we are handing a game ball to a guy that went one of seven from the floor. So maybe it's a game ball with a knife sticking out of it that we use to deflate said game ball. But I would still give it to Al if yeah. we are if we are truly forcing ourselves to give it to someone, which I feel like we should do. If you're going to be forced to give a banner moment after watching this game, we certainly can hand out a game ball to somebody. Hey, and you know, look, we don't, we're not forced to do it. That's how we choose to structure the show. And I believe it's the best way to do it because even in the darkest of games, there's, there's something that stood out and look, like I'm not saying, you know, this season is not over. I mean, this team, you know, can still, you know what, let me, let me not strain all of our credulity on this night and start projecting forward how many games we can win. Let's just win one. But the point I want to make is, you know, the season is not over. But at some point, you do start looking toward the future when you're in the midst of a six-game losing streak and things are going really badly, you know. And Al is one of the bedrock players that you know the Archie Miller Foundation is being built on. Archie didn't recruit him, but you know he's going to be his coach for all of his time here. And you know, I think he's showing some growth. Like that's at least one thing coming out of this. And you know, you've said it. We probably said it four times already on the show when the game was in that early part when it was completely lost, you know, 
Al was the one guy that stepped up and fought. So I agree. The game ball isn't always to the best player on the court. I mean, Juwan was the best overall and most productive player on the court. There's no question about that. It's just the context and the timing. Like when he, when it would have been nice to see him step up and be doing everything right and make a play and, and, and put his foot down and say, this isn't going to happen. He wasn't able to do that. And Al was the one guy who kind of put up some resistance to the avalanche that happened at first. And so that's why that's why we give him our game ball. Again, it's not always the best player, but it's, you know what, for this game, who had the most important contribution? And I thought that was Al early on. And quite frankly, that is a somewhat sad commentary on the game when the things that he did made him stand out so much more than everybody else. Those are things you should have five guys doing that you take for granted. (laughs) Right, right. Yet the absence of those things from everybody else is what made his performance seem so great, which is, you know, somewhat damning in and of itself. But that's that's where we were. Um, all right. So today's Friday. When do we play Rutgers? Wednesday. Play Rutgers on Wednesday. I believe it's Wednesday. So. Well, the only thing that could make this show any worse is a is a really in-depth Rutgers preview. No. Just what everybody's asking for. No. Nope. I have no desire to give that. No, nope, we're not going to do it, but we sure as heck better win that game uh, because Michigan State's coming next. We're not going on the road and beating Michigan State. Um, not even I can talk myself into that one. So, you know, we can either beat Rutgers and then go to Michigan State and, you know, be four and seven after that or be three and eight with eight straight losses. I mean, you know, it makes the Rutgers game extremely important just like this game was you know we're just we're trying to salvage something of this season there are if this team can find something there are winnable games down the stretch the problem now is you've just dug yourself such a ginormous hole and and you might have shot your confidence so far that this quote-unquote winnable schedule isn't going to make a bit of difference so I you know it doesn't you know, I wrote a whole post on the blog today about a reasonable path to 10 victories, but it all hinged to me. I thought it all hinged on winning tonight, like showing fight, showing something different from what we had done before. And we haven't. So I am, you know, I'm going to delete that post. I'm not because I wouldn't do that. But, you know, it, you know, it, it, I look at it with shame now. Um, but, you know, we get just got to find a way to get one win. So that's that's where we're at. Uh, the Ken Palm numbers updated. Indiana now 45th. Uh, Indiana, after we beat Marquette, was 16th in Ken Palm. We are now 45th, 68th offensively in the country. Ugh. Not good. Our three-point percentage. Remember how for a while our three-point percentage was like really good? And we were like up in the top 100. It's now 252nd. So I guess <sighs> water has found its level. Um, Can you more sunshine I, over there, no. fella? No. You got any you want to? I don't. I don't. Oh, man. Holy moly. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. Well, you're listening to the that. Assembly Call How You Post Game Show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com on both sites. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. It's promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off your entire order. Andy, one more thing uh, before last call. I do want to circle back to Romeo a little bit. Okay. I, I don't know that we talked about him a lot. And I know you talked about he's a freshman. This is a difficult situation. I, this has been a really rough stretch for him. That's understating it by quite a lot. 
I just, it was frustrating to see him come out the way that he came out. I, one of the fouls was questionable. The other one was silly. The second one and, and the third one, I give Michigan a lot of credit for him putting him in the position to, to make those plays. But I felt like for the most part, his Charles Matthews deserves a ton of credit. He's an elite defender and made things really difficult on a guy who has not yet proven that he can really make tough, long range jump shots. But I thought Romeo's shot selection and decision-making over the course of the game was probably such that it doesn't get a free pass. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you want to say, but it was, I, I really thought his mindset, albeit for a freshman, d- did not help matters. And like you said, and, and we've talked about earlier, I felt like, and have started to feel a little bit this way these last couple of games, the offense is really bogging down with some of the ways that they're trying to get him the ball and some of the ways that he's trying to get shots that end up in either four shots by him and a bunch of guys standing around some of that spacing and just not having guys that can really space the floor. But uh, I, I don't think he, not that we didn't give a little bit of constructive criticism earlier, but I, I don't think he's immune to what this team had and him being on the bench so long in the first half took away an offensive option that, that this team desperately needed during that stretch. So I didn't want to, yeah. you know, so there's some of these guys I think we take for granted and don't talk about a lot because their performances were a little bit more obvious, but, it, but it's been a struggle for him and it's growing pains. And Archie talked about after the last game, he's a bounce back guy. You didn't really see that tonight. And it's probably hitting the freshman wall a little bit and trying to figure out those things and how he can, you know, effectively score now that there's a, a better scouting report on him and trying to figure out how to do things that in, in a way that you've never been forced to do before. So it's not that it isn't understandable, but I thought there were a lot of shots in the second half that were really forced. Yeah. And, you know, look, he he looked frustrated at times tonight too. There was one time in the huddle that he, I don't know who he was talking to, but he looked really frustrated. And I don't know if it was someone didn't, you know, pass it to him or if he was just generally frustrated at what was going on. You know, look, I mean, let's be realistic about this. I mean, you know, Romeo's going to be in Bloomington for one year. You know, he obviously, you know, I know that he wants to win games now, but he's obviously got an eye on, you know, his draft stock and those things. And there were, what, 24 scouts and GMs in attendance tonight? So, you know, I'm sure he was pressing a little bit after he got off to the bad start because he wanted to perform well for them, for his teammates, for everybody. And, you know, when he starts pressing like that, it hasn't... You know, we saw him just go off in the Maryland game at the end, you know, and it was like, okay, you know, sometimes when he just takes over, this is what can happen. But as the defenses have clamped down and he's, you know, I think he's even lost some confidence with a shot, you know, and has shown a little bit of, of hesitation, not quite the smoothness and just the assertiveness when he's around the rim. You know, now those aren't going in. He's really struggling to get anything going. So, you know, I, I think with, with everything that's going on with this team, I think it's a very nuanced thing. I mean, I think when you have a player of his ability and the clear expectation that he's going to be in the NBA next year, you are trying to manage, you know, showcasing him and he's your best talent. So you're trying to put him in the best positions possible while also trying to have a functional offense with everybody else. And to this point, Indiana has not figured that out. Archie has not figured that out. The players have not figured that out. And that's why I think these last couple of games, the offense at times has felt like it functions better when Romeo's off the court, which is ironic to say because he's the best offensive talent that Indiana has. But that's why basketball is the greatest team game that there is. 
you know, because it's about the five guys functioning as one, not just individuals by themselves. And this team hasn't found any type of cohesion to make that work right now. Hard to argue with that. So, all right. Well, that's going to be my last call then. I'm off the hook. <laughs> oh, there you go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, just replay that. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, all right, Andy. Uh, last call. Final thoughts on Indiana's sixth straight loss. Man. It, that I don't know what to say that we haven't said already, quite honestly. I think the biggest thing that was disappointing for me was the the way the team came out in another game. And it, it feels as though we've said this for multiple games where your back's against the wall and this is how you come out. And then the same thing happens. It happened in Nebraska. It happened at Purdue. Northwestern was a better start. In a, in a worse finish, but for the most part during these stretches where we talk about key games, how will this team respond? They simply haven't responded in a way that's put them in any kind of position to win the game. And that is and continues to be the most disappointing thing, the lack of the seeming lack of response. And the in the more times that they're unable to respond, you see that confidence what little confidence there even was to start with go away. It's so fleeting. It's so quick that this game was felt like it was over from a, a fan perspective, at least by the time that 17 run was done. And that is really hard to fathom at this point in the season. But again, I circle back to what you see with Michigan. Michigan is what IU needs to become from a leadership standpoint, from an identity standpoint, and it's interesting to look at how that team has really switched what their identity has been over the last couple of years with you know Luke Yaklich. That's been really well publicized and what they've been able to do and how they've been able to transform defensively. But that was a team that really switched up its identity pretty quickly, albeit with some experienced players and, and some guys that really bought into what they wanted to do on the defensive end. But you look across the court and you see what you hope IU becomes but you also see how far away they are from becoming that and you'd like to think as much as we've talked about this team has a chance to really get momentum in february i'm not sure that they're able to salvage it based on what we've seen so far and tonight's game to me proved one how far iu has to go to get to the kind of team and the kind of program that everybody associated with it wants to be as well as as you said the the belief at this point that it's it's difficult to have faith it's not that we won't show up and and look at this but just feels like you've been burned too many times by this team in these types of situations to really come at the next game even against Rutgers with any confidence at all and hopefully it's as simple as seeing one shot go in and things start to snowball in the same way that things have snowballed going the other way but it was uh, an eye-opening game, I think, for a number of reasons tonight and a really disappointing start to the game that at that point really invalidated anything that happened after the start because to go out, that was really all that mattered. And in the parts that mattered, just wasn't enough. Weren't enough guys who had the fight and that I'm not going to get beat. This isn't happening on my watch. And it, it's just hard to look at what you've seen these last few games in difficult spots and see it turning around doesn't mean it can't because we've seen this team play well, but it, it's this, this team looks night and day like what they look like in that Marquette game 
just how far they've fallen in those statistics speaks exactly to that point. You know, you mentioned Michigan's kind of change of identity with you, Luke Yaklich. And we talked with Dylan Burkhart on podcast on the brink this week, and we kind of asked him about that, you know, because a lot has been made about, you know, Yaklich, like being this defensive guru and changing it. And Dylan's like, yeah, well, you know what also has made a difference is Xavier Simpson's an elite defensive player. Charles Matthews is an elite defensive player. You know, Iggy Brasdakis is a good defensive player. John Teske is a really good defensive player. So at the end of the day, you can have all of these great, you know, ideas about what you want to do and strategies that you want to do, but you got to have the players. And you have to have the players that are elite at the things that you're going to be asking them to do. So, you know, I want to make it clear. Like, we've levied a lot of, you know, negativity and criticism across the bow of the IU program tonight because a performance like this warrants it. But it's important to keep the big picture in mind. Like, I, you know, I'm disappointed in certain things that Archie has done, and I would have liked to see this team obviously progress better than it had. But... You know, if this team came out and just, you know, they were so passionate to begin the game, the players were playing so hard, but they just got bogged down by the fact that the stuff that they were running, you know, wasn't working over the course of the game. And, and you could just tell that it was a, a complete X's and O's debacle. Well, I might say, boy, I don't, you know, does this guy really know how to coach? But this team came out and was defeated before the ball was tipped. And what coach on earth has a system that's going to win when that's the case? And is that partly on him? Yes. But I just think that there is a massive disconnect between the players themselves and the coach and the players. And, you know, I continue to think if you have a smart coach with a proven track record that has a great reputation, you give that guy time to build his program. This year, these last six games have been an utter disaster after a really promising start to the year. There is no other way to say it. But I'm not convinced that what we're seeing right now is indicative of what the future of this program is going to look like as you, you know, cycle out some players and bring in new players that Archie recruited and kind of handpicked and that ostensibly will be better personality matches for him because clearly the guys that are here, you know, aren't either individually or collectively. And if this kind of stuff is happening in year four, then yeah, I mean, it's, it's a no brainer, but I just think we've got to, as fans be willing to see the short term and the individual game and the micro moments for what they are without it completely obliterating our perspective about the big picture. And I still think, you know, call me crazy, which I guess after a game like this, you know, you might want to, but I still think the program itself is on a positive trajectory, even if this team isn't. And those two things can be different sometimes, especially for a coach early on trying to build the program in his way. It's not happening with this team. There are, you know, Outside of trying to, you know, reflect back on the wins against Butler and Marquette and Louisville, which seemed like eons ago, there's not a whole lot of reason to believe that it will turn around for this team. But to me, there's still plenty of reasons to, you know, if you don't want to say like, I believe Archie is the guy, at least to say, you know what, this is bad, but I'm going to be patient and let this guy install what he wants to install before I render any final judgments. I think that's the most reasonable way that we can look at this. And as Armand Franklin said on Twitter earlier tonight, relax. I don't know that I necessarily agree. I think it was a good night for getting some, <laughs> you know, getting some frustration out. But maybe now we can all relax after, uh, <laughs> after getting some of that out. Um, oh, that was the last call. Do you, do you want to say anything else before we, before we shut it down? No, this is, this is a perfectly fine place to end. All right. We've, we've said enough. We have. We've said enough. Everybody take a break for a few days. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah. And... Uh, Boy, 
just a just a basketball game. Hey, you know what? Not a good one, but that, just a basketball it's game. Another I I was kind of against these Friday games, but that is one nice thing. If you lose on a Friday, then you've got the rest of the weekend to just get away from it. You can totally tune out basketball if you want to, or you can just say, you know what? I'm just gonna be a fan of Big Ten basketball and watch Michigan State and Purdue. You know, just and just enjoy watching this game, not for the impact on the standings and what it means for us, but just watch the game. So thank you, Fox. I guess. That's all I got. I'm just trying to end it on a positive note. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you Monday for Banner Monday and then after the Rutgers game. Till then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.